some point I called him daddy too. Oh my god! <laughs> I just I just walked by. He was, he was like busy busy in his booth. I walked by and was like daddy. And at lunch we munch toys. Sing and during it. D time we sip toys. I, that's a question for you is so when you're prepping a vinyl piece for sculpting, like what technique are you using when you prep a vinyl toy to apply like a super sculpting or something over it? Hey toy family, welcome to the Marsh Amp Toy Hour where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham and no co-host tonight. George and Teresa are off doing other things. Teresa's out there in Florida visiting her, her family. And George, he's off doing this thing called VidCom with the Behind the Counter crew. So, um, it's just me. But it's not, you're not going to have to listen to me all night, my boring voice, and just me talking toys. No, I'm being joined by someone awesome. So, joining me tonight is the beautiful host of my favorite Instagram game show, What's in My Mouth, as well as the hilarious new detective series, Pizza Mystery. This Instagram starlet also happens to be an incredible sculptor, taking the trophy for best sculpt at this year's Designer Toy Awards. Let's welcome back Seriously Silly K. Hey, Silly, welcome back. Hello, Gary. You're fucking amazing. Thank you for making me blush once again. You're welcome. We just had a little chit-chat before that, and no, now you got to make me blush. Couldn't we have gotten that out of the way earlier? No. Thank you. <laughs> no, you know me. I like to do niceties, but at the same time, making people blush. So that's what you get. But as far as everything I said on the intro, it's, it's absolutely 100% true. You know, you're an amazing sculptor. You wouldn't have won the award without being one. And um, anyone who's not familiar, definitely follow Seriously Silly K on Instagram. So not only is it a great feed, but she does lots of great videos and tutorials, whether it's sculpting tips or gardening tips or how to grow pineapple or something like that. They're always like enlightening and fun videos. So when I'm not learning, I'm laughing. And one of the things that really makes me laugh is she does this game show sort of thing. And it's where she says, you know, try to guess what's in her mouth. She puts something in her mouth and the people in the comments try to guess what it is. And it's it's really tell well done. It's really funny. I enjoy it. And I think you were trying to do it every Friday, but that's not happening, is it? No, yeah. The, the last like three weeks I haven't done that because I was busy working on some other projects. As well as I kind of want to play this game when I have something to give away. Yeah. And this is probably why I can't do it every freaking week because I need to make a couple of toys or other little things first before I can can do this game guilt free, you know, because I want people to get something out of it, too, other than just me making a fool of myself. <laughs> you're so good at it, though. I mean, you, I love that about you, that you're able to just be foolish and have fun and you're like embracing your inner child and you don't care what you know people think you're just having a good time and i really like when people are able to just and you know just be able to laugh at themselves and that's what you do oh yeah me me too absolutely otherwise i wouldn't do it but yes guys um gary gary said that right i play a game it's called what's in my mouth and i make notes first of giving you guys tips in, in regards to what could be in my mouse, some, something, for example, it's edible, it's not edible. Um, yeah, is it liquid? Is it solid? Does it have a scent? Anything in that direction. And sometimes people figure it out pretty pretty early. Um, the first time I think I ever did this, it was a, was it a tea bag? Yeah, I think I had a tea bag. <laughs> in my mouth. No, 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 a lemon. A lemon. First, yeah, I remember yeah, that one. Half of a lemon and my mouth is just all juicing up. I had to swallow a lot. <laughs> 
I was watching that one. It, the people took a while to guess what it was, and I thought that I was surprised you got the entire. It was a good half lemon, but it was a sizable lemon just sitting in your mouth for a couple of minutes. Like I can kind of tell you were kind of sweating that one out. Oh yeah, <laughs> the tea bag wasn't too pleasant either because it was very dry, and then it got slowly soggy in the mouth. But there was there was a fun one too, and um, one of the tips I used was Urban Dictionary double meaning. People were nuts, balls. I'm like, no, no, it's it's not nuts, balls. But somebody really figured it out pretty quick, and she was like, "Is it a tea bag?" Yep, it was one. And she got a sun catcher for me, and her son has it in her in his room right now, so they kind of love it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and I, I love everything with rainbows and sun catchers. I have three sun catchers around the house slash in, in my windows. And in the morning, I get woken up with little uh, rainbow spots. And in the afternoon, there comes another one through the through the bedroom. So it's kind of nice. Cool. You would like to, <laughs> you should come out to Phoenix. We'll go up to Sedona sometime. Mm, how How is it at night? Stars? Uh, oh, yeah, there'll be stars out there for sure. Hmm. Yeah, no, that that sounds nice. Do you guys also have a lot of rainbows or not so much rain? When you say Arizona, it's more of a <laughs> Yeah, no, Arizona, rainbow is a very rare sighting here in Arizona. I can turn on the uh, the yard hose and make a create a rainbow for you. <laughs> yeah, that works too. I'm yeah. done with that. <laughs> okay. You know VAG toys? Are you familiar with those? Vag. Vag yeah. toys? Yes, but I don't I don't have any of them. Oh, you don't? No. I'm going to send you one because you can pop the heads off of those and you can hide something inside there and you can have people guess what's inside your vag. I like that. Yeah? The thing is, a lot of people probably don't even know what that is. But yes, what do I have for vag? <laughs> I like that. I can I can um, alter alternate that between what's in my mouth and what's in my vag. Yes. There you go. There it you go. needs to be small enough, right? How, how big is the head? They're pretty. They're not that big, so you can probably fit smaller objects in there. Something that's less than a, a one inch wide, probably. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of small things out there. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. I like this. Yes, please send me ahead. <laughs> so silly. Congratulations on your DTA win this year. It was for best sculpt. You helped uh, Scott Tollison to uh, sculpt his freckle character. Yeah. And uh, you took the award. So congratulations on that. Thank you. It's it's really weird for me. Um, I, I I know that I don't really publicly much talk about it or make a make a post about it because it's I don't want to brag. It's it's just a weird thing for me to. Hmm. I get it. I get it. I've yeah. won a couple, and every time I felt a little weird posting it online the next day. Yeah. It's really great to win, but at the same time, I understand like you don't want to go on social media and come across like you're bragging or boasting, or you don't want to make the others who didn't win feel bad again. And it's just something it's it's weird. So I understand. Yeah. You so you actually haven't posted anything about winning on the, on social media, have you? No, no, I haven't. Um, I had a couple of my friends uh, there that evening when it all happened. And even fucking Jim McKenzie, I love that guy so much. I met him at Decon and it was amazing. Oh, I know. We haven't even talked about Decon on my part because it's been so long, but it was the best experience ever. <laughs> so anyway, so Jim, Jim McKenzie posted about it. He posted on the stories. And also my friend Justin and um, Tyler. Hi, you guys. I don't know if you listen, but hello. They were also texting me and telling me congratulations. So that was that was basically the only thing I heard of it at, at that night. And I tried, and this is what I liked when you and Teresa were talking about the DTAs. 
I listened to your last podcast about it. Very uh, constructive criticism, by the way. I hope that it's taken in a positive way by uh, the clutter people. But you also mentioned all of the circumstances they had to deal with, with putting three shows at once basically together. So yeah. Yeah, they have a lot to do. On top of that, they have three children. You know, they, they run clutter gallery. So the way that they seem to have all organized it with that small amount of people that they are in that short time is, is really like hands down people you did a great job there yeah. but, but yeah but i, I want to know how they decided to put that in who who came up with the award because that is really fucking amazing and so many other sculptors are out there that that i would love get the recognition for their works uh, you know what? I, I don't know. I imagine it's something that they've been toying with for the past couple of years. It's probably been like a, a co committee or a panel of people discussing it. And this mm. was the year they decided to implement the best sculpt category. And I can tell that you sort of you know, struggle with winning it because, of course, everyone who was in the category did an amazing job and they all deserve to win. But, you know, this year you, you did an amazing job on that sculpt and, you know, you deserve the award, silly. Yeah, Thanks. Thanks again, everybody from from the panel who thought that this piece was worthy of of taking taking the, the award home. And honestly, the design was just so cute. Freckle was definitely one of those projects where, where I just was smiling all the fucking time because it made me so happy. It was just such a cute fellow that was coming to life in front of my hands. Yeah. Yeah. So well done, Scott, on your part as well, because without you, this piece would not have happened at all. Oh, of course. I mean, Scott's, you know, an amazing designer and this would not have happened without his designs of Freckle and they're great designs. But the award is celebrating you as the sculptor. You know, what is celebrating is your ability to be able to take his 2D renderings and bring it to life in 3D form. And you did that incredibly well. I mean, it's so well done. I mean, I saw his original sketches and they were great, but you took his sketches and just added so much more detail at like that turtle shell. It wasn't drawn that way and you added so much life and vibrancy in that sculpt and, and that's what the award is honoring. So congrats on that. Thank you. But honestly, Scott told me in the very beginning when he showed me the sketches and, you know, I had a front, I had a side and a back. I, I like this when, when the artists provide the sculptor with an all turnaround so we really can make their vision come to life he also told me hey can you make it in a way that it looks like it could be alive so he said give it skin texture you know give the shell texture and then I just I went with 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 those guidelines and then made what it was that's good that he trusts you now because he like I don't think he drew it that way so the fact that you just took his advice and ran with it how you wanted to do it I think that's great that's a great collaboration between you two yeah, we've, we've always worked great together in that matter, I think. But hey, I don't know how George and Scott exactly work together, but George, too, envisions everything probably the way Scott wants it to be. You you could see that with the Dab or Deadbeat. The, the drawing of Scott and, and his sculpt, it looked exactly like it. And I have talked with George about that, I think, on the last podcast, too, especially on that figure. I, I loved it so much. Now, last time you were on, we talked a whole bunch about Scott Tolleson, so let's not do it this week. <laughs> He's not here. Screw him. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was the DCA Kappa. I mean, it all comes together. In no, I get it. It is. It was his original design, just busting Scott's walls. Yes. Toy. Oh, you like that. Toys. And at lunch, we munch toys. Sing and during the time, we sip toys. And for dinner, we chew on toys. And at night, we make toys. 
Toys. Toys, toys. aren't for boys. <laughs> I like the Girl way that they look. like the toys. Some toys make noise. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day. You know, it's actually kind of funny that you're singing right now, Silly, because I was listening to the radio today, and they were doing this thing where they were singing questions and then singing the answers to it. So you want to try that? We can try that right now. Really? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Oh, so... Will will the type of song be a song that is already uh, known with lyrics, or has this to be something that needs to be rhymed? You know, a- I don't even know. I'm terrible at music, so I'm just gonna. I don't even know what I'm gonna ask yet, but it's just not gonna be to like any specific song. I'm just gonna sing it as if I'm just singing, and you're good re- with responding in song. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well let's 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 give this a shot. So uh, here we go. Seriously, Silly K, how did you get your name? <laughs> you just sang to me like the prince sings to Rapunzel. <laughs> I just, so just serenaded you. Okay. You wonder how I got my name? Well, it was not through fame. My hubby thought I was a silly girl, so my name got Silly K. But I'm also serious, so it became seriously silly K. God, this is terrible. Can we not? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. It's funny. Yeah, no, my my hobby. I I met him in a chat room, and he thought I was silly. And you know, there there are different versions of silly out there, but not not necessarily the silly in the okay, you're a little bit of dumb way. Even though that sometimes happens to me too. We all get our brain farts. Right. Or or get lost in translation or to, or take things very literally, but yeah, he meant he meant just just naturally that I'm that I'm a silly person. So silly then K for Kathleen, and then seriously silly. I think that just went better off the tongue because it's such a contradiction. So you mentioned that you met your husband in a chat room. Like yeah. I don't think I'm I'm really familiar with you. Is he a creative as well? Um, he actually does have talent. Yeah, but he sadly doesn't doesn't take time um, for it. But he was the one that got you into designer toys, yeah. right? He's the one that sort of introduced you to designer yeah. toys. Uh huh. That happened. It happened through him. He he had a couple of Frank Kosick toys. He had one of the one of the big Labbit stools. We have, now have three. Um, but this is just when they came out, like in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. And Sog Red Rum version. We have a couple of Red Rum toys. And uh, from there, we just started collecting more because I got interested in it. Frank Classic was like the first name that I knew from the designer toy world. Okay. Now, I know that when I see your Instagram feed, it looks like there's probably, I think you have like a giant bossy bear in your bedroom, but do you have toys in every room in the house or just do you keep them like yeah. segregated? Yeah, this is this is the bedroom with the with the with the bossy bear. Uh-huh. Okay. And and yeah, they they're scattered around the house. We have them in the living room, we have some in the kitchen, in, in the cabinet, because our house is not like really big with the rooms and, and and we've moved, so some of our furniture is now in other places where it's not supposed to be, but it actually fits well in the kitchen. And uh other than that, in the in the in the bedroom. Yeah, we even have like a couple pieces in, in bathrooms, just like tiny little resin pieces where you don't have to worry that water splashes on them. Okay, right, right. Now, silly, on our stomping ground, someone was asking, wanted me to ask you if you're an android or an alien, because I guess your your sculpting skills are so stellar that it just you can't possibly be human. So I'm here to say and confirm that, yes, you are calling me from a different planet. And what planet is that, silly? Oh, dude, I'm underwater right now. And, you know, oh, like, you're underwater. Yeah, electricity and... Uh, travels very well on the water so 
<laughs> electricity and water do not mix. I'm sorry. That's, mm. that's not a that's not a good combination. I suggest to people. <laughs> no, please don't offer yourselves, people. No, we do not advocate mixing electricity and water. It's a, that's a terrible idea. But silly. <laughs> I want to know what's the average day like for you. I know you're you're a full time sculptor now, but you also enjoy gardening and cooking and, and all that sort of fun stuff. So take us through like the average day for you. Oh no. Yes. Are you on a schedule or do you just kind of just work when you feel like working and feel like whenever the creative juices are flowing, you, that's, that's when you work or are you more regimented? Well, last night, for example, I worked till five o'clock in the morning and then I slept till 10 o'clock in the morning because honestly, I need at least six <laughs> or seven hours. Honestly, I need six or seven hours of sleep or oh, I don't function well. I'm getting really, really slouchy and, and I... I People, people who are on, like who are able to work on a very, very limited sleep schedule, I put my hands down to them, but I don't necessarily know if it's so healthy for their bodies and for their minds. So I, yeah, I, I need that kind of sleep. If I if I work till five o'clock and I have to get up at ten o'clock, then my day starts from there. Otherwise, sometimes I really go to bed at like one o'clock, and then at nine o'clock my workday starts. So it really, okay. it really depends. But Meatball normally gets his food at 9 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> Meatball's your dog. Hmm? Meatball's not my puppy, my little psychotic, crazy, cat-killing puppy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I love him. Uh, so yeah, at 9 o'clock is normally feeding time. And I just start working, answer emails, um, do social media, which is Instagram. Uh, even even though I don't always post my art, because sometimes I work on those projects that I can't share, where I either have NDAs or you know where I do stuff for Super Seven, and then you don't see me post much because those projects can drag out for a couple months, depending on yeah. how many figures they are. Um, yeah. Okay, so I know last time you were on, you mentioned that you just you just started like teaching yourself how to sculpt in 2010, like only eight years ago, and then around 2012 you started like doing these uh, really nice dog sculptures for for yourself and then for other people. So how did you get from doing those dog sculptures to being full time like you know sculpting for the toy industry? Yeah, um, the, the dog sculpts, I think I started like in 2012 or 2013, the, the first couple ones, which were not all the way realistic. I made them like, a, um, I, I had them with bigger heads and smaller bodies, a little bit more in a cute way and bigger eyes. Um, then and, and then it, it evolved to more realistic sculptures because pe- people were requesting this. And it pushed me a little bit over, over my, uh, out of my comfort zone, which was great in the end. You know, you, you, you're frustrated, like, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to sculpt this? I can't sculpt this good. And then you <laughs> surprise yourself when you just put in front of that stupid challenge right. and um, are better for it. So, yeah, then I did a whole bunch of dog sculptures because people came to me with uh, telling me about the loss of their dogs. And that really goes to my heart in an incredible way because... I love animals myself a lot. I love dogs so much. Meatball is my baby. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting like all emotional just thinking <laughs> about it. Um, and Hang in there. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I took on the spot. Just, I, I, I remember everybody and uh, all of the dogs that I have sculpted. I, I will never forget this because they sent me in the stories of the dogs. I have asked those people about the personality of the dogs. If they had a specific post that they really loved on their pets or a specific action, any toys, and anything that distinguishes their dog from other dogs. You know, the, the little quirks that we humans have as well. 
Right. And sometimes I got lucky and they had enough pictures for me available that I could make a whole dog exactly the way it was down to the paws and the color of the nails because sometimes you have different colored nails depending on what kind of coat pattern you have. So a lot of this stuff is important to me, but... How how did you get that work though? How do people find you? Did they just find you from social media? And the, yeah, that was that was like almost word to mouth. Somebody came okay. to me and was like, "Hey, can you sculpt my dog? I wish, um, the dog just passed away. Just, just like a cute little sculpture." I'm like, "Okay, cool. I can try that out. No problem." And then from there, the person basically said that to another person. It was it was all word through mouth on Instagram in that matter. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. And here we are just six years later, and now you're doing full-time work for the toy industry. I know you work a lot for Super 7, and you've done uh, a lot of sculpting work for other companies too, right? Uh, yes. Yes, primarily that is exactly the case. Um, a lot of projects for Super 7, and I really love working with them because they take good care of me. And and it's an honor for me to work on licensed products, you know, like Iron Maiden. Um, yeah, they great. Yeah, then, God, shit, I can't say it. Like, the last three projects (laughs) that I have done for them, they haven't been released yet, but all of them are licensed as as well. And I'm just just so, so lucky and so happy that they trust me enough to do the work for them. And I met Brian and I met Josh at Decon last year. And um, we were together at a doghouse, which was that Friday, Friday evening after party, after setup party. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I met Brian and Josh there, and they, they were really praising my work. And hearing that in person was just wonderful. Oh, God, I get choked up again. <laughs> well, you're really, really good. I mean, so it's... First of all, you know, I, I was a tiny little bit intoxicated. I had a beer or two, um, but, not, but not much. And all of the emotions of meeting everybody, I met Valency that night. Oh, I love Valency. Oh, I had no idea who she was when she approached us. We were sitting around the table with Lisa Fur, the one who gives the nice hugs and is also a great artist. Uh-huh. So yeah, she, she came to our table because it was overrun with guys. And then she saw me sitting there and we said each other's names. She's like, oh, you see what she came? Like, oh, Valency, you know, that was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, and where was I? <laughs> I know we were in a yard. Where are we? The yard house restaurant or something? Uh, the, at dog, the dog house. I, I believe that is what oh, it was. The dog house. Okay. Do, um, you, do you enjoy being primarily like a hired hand or do you want, would you like to do some like original creations and sculpt your own pieces that they produce? Um, Actually both. I, I love sculpting for them because these are opportunities that I probably would not have, as I said, because they are designs based on different brands or companies or bands. Yeah. Or TV shows or movies. This is like the only thing I can say <laughs> to hint to that. Um, but I also would, would rather like to possibly make my own stuff as well. Yeah, when when I was sculpting this, this last Dunny for the Designer Toy Awards, Dunny show, yep. I had so much fun with it because I could just really create my own design. And I, I would love to probably do a little bit more more with the armadillo because so far I've only done one cast of the armadillo. I have a couple of casts here that, that I need to paint or come up with my own designs. That would be fun. Yeah, more of that because I'd like to see more personal stuff from you. But at the same time, I understand how it works to become a you know a, a sought after talent like yourself. So um, it's it's tough to juggle the personal with the business. But um, so you mentioned you do a lot of work for Super Seven. Who else are you doing work for as well? Um. I have been working with Kurubukan once. 
on a super super cute collaboration of a mini Nimbus Sleepwalker, I believe. Yeah, I like that one. In that little ride, and I just started another project for them, which is a little bit of a bigger piece and a great challenge for me. Sweet. I probably are gonna sculpt something for Unbox Industries in the future, awesome. which which also will be a a license piece. But that is something I can't talk about. I could totally uh, see you doing a lot more work for the the eastern companies. Yeah, I, I would love that. And Kurubukan is one of those that I can't wait to to keep working with because Paulus and his partner they are so freaking nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they are dog lovers. If you love dogs, if you love love animals, you already have have my heart, basically. So there's <laughs> there's not much that you can fuck up. <laughs> if you're not an animal lover, I might question you and your personality. <laughs> so is the you so you're working full time as a sculptor? Is your is the majority of you work designer toy based now? Yeah, the the majority that I do actually is toy-based. Not everything is designer toys because Super 7 focuses a lot of on reaction and nostalgia figures. Um, and uh, I just finished a piece for them that is my first reaction figure, which which was a wonderful challenge because I've never done a 3.75 reaction figure before. Okay. Um, and and you need to you need to consider sculpting the body parts separately. And that would be another thing if I would do that in wax, in wax like George does. But I don't have any any knowledge in wax. And it, again, it's definitely a medium I need to get into. I still work with clay on it, and you can squish it and everything. And you can't put the parts all together because you have them stuck on corks. So you really need to wing it. And then once you bake them, you need to adjust them properly. But it's it's a wonderful challenge. I'm super happy how this figure came out. Do you do you just sculpt or like just sculpt how you know how to sculpt or have as you've been doing more work for companies like Super Seven and Kabuki Khan and stuff like that, have you had to have more knowledge in the process of making toys like how to do the jointing and stuff like that, or do you just do the sculpt and then send it off to the factory and they figure out where to cut and splice and do joints? Um. Yeah. When I um in 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 the past, for example, the piece that I that I did um the kappa, I made that all in one piece, and the manufacturer Unbox Industries, who did an amazing job, they were pouring that in wax and then they were slicing it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pieces that I've done, or the piece that I've done now for Super Seven, or as well the piece for Kurubukan, I already included the uh, cut lines and the seams and everything um, in the original sculpt, the little piece of four Kurubukan, I had to separate the lower body and the upper body and as well as the right, there were basically three pieces okay. and they went straight like that to the manufacturer and they were molding them in three pieces and the one for Super 7 as well, that's all just separate parts. So yes, I'm, I'm definitely learning those steps too to take one step away for the manufacturer so that, that the company doesn't have to be charged for that extra work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what can we look forward to you coming out? Is there, I know a lot of this stuff is, is you know under NDAs and you can't mention anything, but yeah. what can you tell us about that is coming out that you have worked on? Um. <laughs> I don't think anything yet. <laughs> everything no, secretive? Yeah, yeah, everything is secretive, sadly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, secretive. And I'm trying also this year to do a couple of my own pieces, maybe for Decon to have some stuff at Stranger Factory at their booth. I definitely want to push a couple of armadillos out because, I, again, I've only done one of them and I really like like that. And I would like to see more like personal work from you. I think it's amazing that you have all this work to keep you, you know, full time busy. But at the same time, I want to see more like 
you know, Sun, Sunny the Sloth and your owls and stuff like you, you have the time to be able to work on your own personal stuff too. Yeah, I, I would like that too because I got to paint those pieces. Yeah. Now, speaking of Sunny the Sloth that you're just talking yeah. about, I got to see that in person at Five Points Fest and it, it was phenomenal. It, it was one thing to see it you know, on your Instagram feed, but it was another thing to see it in person and it was beautiful. And I also heard a lot of other people talking about it and praising on it. And uh, one thing that I didn't know, I know you did the sculpting and the painting on it, but you also had them you know, lying down in this hanging, like swinging chair. And yeah, I was, you yeah. made that also. I had no idea you had a hand in that as well. Well, yeah, there was, there was some also a little learning curve. There, there was a picture that I saw of, of a sloth because I was, I was doing my, my research on, on it, I have I have a list here of a bunch of animals that I want to sculpt, and the sloth was on them. So I I went online and looked on Google to get some inspiration to get some um, anatomy of of a sloth, and there was one that was having a bowl cut, which was super cute, and I took that as an inspiration. And then one was was in a hammock. It looked like it was made out of straw from from a zookeeper or something, and I took that as inspiration. But I wanted to have a little bit more of a fancy sloth. And uh, yet the, the backstory on it is Sunny has a, has a dream. Sunny wants to run as fast as a bunny, a.k.a. a dunny, and wants to earn all of the medals and trophies. So it has its tracksuit on and it's just <laughs> basically waiting to start running and to have somebody mentor it and have the stopwatch ready and start training Sunny so it can can run against a bunny at some time. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't know you went that far with it. So he's like the turtle in the story. Exactly, like the turtle and the rabbit, yes. Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, Miss Muju, you're familiar with her? Oh, my she, God, yes. I met her at Decon, too. She is so sweet. Great. I met her husband, too. And she's beautiful. She is. Yeah. Uh, well, Miss Muju wants to know, has Kid Robot approached you about maybe producing that piece? Mm, um, I was approached when I was in the sculpting stage. But I haven't heard back. That happens. Yes, and you know I don't, I don't want to be pushy or anything. So I don't right. have it naturally, or I, right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who wants to go on people's nerves. Oh no, I get that. I'm, I'm very much the same way. But you know, maybe they'll reach out to you uh, if or when they decide to do a DTA Denny series too. I can totally see them inviting you to be a part of that, and maybe you can do your. Um, Sunny the Sloth Sculpt for that, but as far as feeling uncomfortable, I mean, silly, I totally get that. I mean, I'm very much the same way. Some people are better about being a little more aggressive and reaching out and contacting, you know, contacting companies and asking for them to produce their toys, and um, that's just not how I am. I am totally not like that. Yeah, I, I'm um, I tend to wait to be approached, I guess. I'm not really great about being a little more of the aggressor and contacting yeah. companies, and, and some people are really good at that. I know you know, several artists have gotten into Dunny series by, you know, constantly sending in Dunny's designs and stuff like that. So, you know, to each of their own, it's just my approach, I guess, is a little more reserved and kind of wait to be contacted. Yeah, I think I, th- I think we have some some things in common. Um, also, when, when we talked earlier, that we're very similar in some parts when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I have a question. I have a question for you, too. A question for me? OK. Yes, of course, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. OK. Yeah. <laughs> you throughout the last like seven eight years have made a lot of wood toys right correct some of them you must have done yourself like the the, the, the yeti stand right or the yep. stack you have made them yourself some of them were one-of-a-kind pieces before they went into production i always wondered 
what kind of steps are different when you have these toys produced? What do you need to think of then when it comes to vinyl or resin production? Because a mold already falls away for you guys, right? Because it's produced in wood. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I, I don't – like my stuff is like fairly simple in form, so I don't actually think – Usually I just make the wood toys just for myself and then afterwards if enough people say, hey, this should be made or maybe a company will contact me afterwards and say, hey, I really like that. Let's make that. That's I don't – but when I'm actually designing the things, I'm not putting too much thought in is this going to work for molding? Is this going to work for this or that? Like I'm just designing it to how I know to do it out of wood. Uh, but I keep things very basic in shape and with, with dowel joints and stuff like that. So it, it, to replicate it in a manufacturing process like vinyl or something like usually isn't very hard. But it translates really well. The one thing I like work, you know, working in wood versus you know, like a 3D design, it comes out very perfect. Left matches the right and it's very symmetrical. But like working in wood and probably the same thing with you as working by doing hand sculpted stuff. I like when the wood pieces are translated in vinyl because it it truly has all those imperfections. Like every cut is different. Every grain is different. Every little, you know, if I drop the piece of wood and it got a little dinged, it's there in the toy as well. I really like that casting the wood toy in vinyl carries all those characteristics of the of the uh, original wood version. And a lot of people can't tell the difference between until they actually pick up the vinyl toy that it was originally so made great. in wood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so this, this is interesting. You you take the original wood toy, you make a mold of the exact texture that the wood, that the piece of wood has, and then you produce that in vinyl. Yep, exactly. I mean, they take ex- I'll make you know the figure in my garage in my wood shop, and then I'll just send it over to the factory, and they use that exact piece to make the molds from. So it has all the you know the wood grain and all the exact imperfections of the figure. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Oh, but see, I I didn't know that. I really thought that most of the toys. That that look like wood that have more like of the flat shape and everything to them. I always assumed that your production pieces are all made in wood as well. Like the uh, Whooper Looper Push Car, that is a produced piece, right? But that is wood. Yeah. So no, those ones are actually wood. So those are produced by a company called Stipple Pop, and yeah, they actually use wood. They laser cut it all, and it's all pr- the you know the colors are actually printed into the wood and they'll layer the woods uh to get you know the thickness that i need for the cars and stuff like that so they do really great work and i think that's really the only actually wood you know mass-produced wood toy that i've actually had made all the other ones have been directly molded and casted and either made in in vinyl or or resin um but one time i know that um, it doesn't always work out. I know one time, I think it was the Toy Titans Totem, they, um, I sent out my wood pieces for that, and the factory mm-hmm. actually ended up having to re-sculpt it in 3D for whatever reason. They said it had something to do with the pad printing process and things not being symmetrical. With the what crypting process? Oh, the pad printing process. So that's the process of like stamping the paint onto the toys. And they mm-hmm. were basically saying that... For, for whatever reason, my wood pieces wouldn't work great for that process, so they wanted to redo it in 3D, and that cost, well, another 300 bucks, which it never rang true to me, because before the Toy Titan Totem came out, I had one called the Monster Totem, and I also made those pieces in wood, and that one didn't need to be redone in 3D. So, I don't know, it almost feels like maybe they just wanted to get a couple extra bucks out of me. So, you, you sometimes have to deal with people probably trying to fuck you over is that what you're saying 
Well, I, if they were, I wouldn't know. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's good. Hey, ignorance is bliss. No, but do you do you also have have a choice into picking out the wood? Do you prefer a specific type of wood? Um. Okay. So yeah, I do. So the wood that I use, it's called a basswood, and it's a very soft wood. It's the wood that a lot of people use to to carve from and chisel from. Uh, it's just because it's such a soft wood. You, it, it cuts like butter. It very easily sands. It's, it's very easy to shape. And uh, like I can make a hundred wood toys with basswood and hardly have to ever change a blade. But if I want to a harder wood like an oak or a mahogany, I'm going to be changing blades like crazy. So that would just mm -hmm. affect your, your bottom line as well. So And it paints well. It's just easy to work with. Um, plus, I, I paint my toys almost entirely, so it doesn't matter if you see the wood grain or not. Like, basswood in a lot of softer woods don't always have, like, a really nice wood grain, so it's not the best for staining. So if I was designing toys just for staining purposes only, of course, you would want to use, like, a nicer grain-type hardwood. Like, a lot of people will use uh, maple and teak and birch and, and oak for their wood toys because those all have really nice grains and really nice colors to them. So when, when you say stain, you use a specific type of paint for it? You can't just paint with acrylics over it? Oh, no. You can use acrylics for sure. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I use. I also use – it's kind of like an acrylic because it's called a cell vinyl. But um, all depending on how what kind of wood toy you want to make. Like a lot of times I'll just paint my stuff and it you know, kind of hides the wood grain. But sometimes I'll do a combination where I'll use acrylic in certain areas and I'll actually use like a stain in other areas to show the wood grain. And, um, but that's kind of how I work, but there's a, an other amazing wood artisans who don't use paint at all. And they're able to get the different colors by using different types of wood in their pieces. So they might mm. use three or four different types yeah. of wood. And then when they're all done with the, making the toy, they'll just apply like a, like a beeswax to it that brings out the natural colors of, of the different types of woods. And the people who can do that are amazing and one of my all-time favorite wood artisans who can do that his name is Takeji out of Japan so I would highly suggest anyone to check out his work just go to his website it's takeji.com that's t-a-k-e hyphen and then the letter g.com I'm mean, pause right now and go check out his work it's, it's incredible gotcha see that thank you this is this is all awesome awesome stuff that was on my mind because you're really really into making wood toys and they are amazing and oh, thank uh, you. have you had any um education in this because you have done this for a few years did you grow up doing that in school at a, at a woodworking class or something i did i i had three four years of wood shop and you know between middle school and high school and so yeah i made you know a lot of stuff i made chests and entertainment setters and desks and cabinets and all that sort of fun mm. stuff but you know I, um, I just enjoy working with my hands and then uh, I would actually like to start sculpting I think I would you know I think that'd be fun oh you would be good with it you would be really good with it because you have already all of that 2d knowledge and I don't think you would have any issue picking up into sculpting I should I should really try it sometime. I've done it for I've done it for some customs and stuff where I've had to add some accessories and stuff like that. But it's nothing that I've really gotten into. So I, that's a question for you is: so when you're prepping a vinyl piece for sculpting, like what technique are you using when you prep a vinyl toy to apply like a super sculpting or something over? Are you doing anything to prep the vinyl? Yes, I love that question. Um, and it's something that I had to figure out throughout the years. 
because I too have made all of those mistakes. I'm, I'm one of those people I, I learned out of my mistakes through time. Yeah. Not only what kind of clay are you going to use, what kind of brand you use, because Sculpey is not just Sculpey. Sometimes you get a brand and the Sculpey just crackles into your hand. It's so dry, you know, and then when you bake it, it also will crack on your piece because it's just not the right texture. It might be old Sculpey that they sold you. I prefer Super Sculpey. It's really my preferred brand of choice. But what I do when I work specifically in vinyl is you first clean the surface because some, sometimes from production there might be any chemicals or stuff on the left, anything oily and the clay won't stick on air. Mm -hmm. So, and then when, once I cleaned it or I cut it into shape, had to remove certain stuff because I sculpt over it. With the Dani, for example, on the head, I didn't cut anything away. Normally, I tend to cut away eye areas or maybe some something into the ears. But with, with a Dani head, I literally just sculpted over it. I went with the original shape. Oh, no, what I cut away were the ears. I'm sorry. And then I re reapplied them on a, on a headband. But that was the only thing. I didn't mess with the mouth shape or anything. But normally I would then start taking a scalpel and just scratch into the dunny and zigzag or cross patterns like a like a checkerboard you you would do a tic-tac-toe and just would scratch away on it until it has rough areas okay because that that will make your clay stick to it better and uh, on top of that i use something which is called bake and bond it is from the Sculpey brand and it's basically like a, like a white glue, but it's not really comparable to glue because it hardens when you bake it with your clay. So it bonds really your clay to the surface of your vinyl. So okay. I totally re recommend that. It's called Bake and Bond. Other people like to use liquid Sculpey. I'm not so much a fan of it, but this is specifically like a type of glue that should work underneath the clay. Um... And if I have stuff like ears to sculpt or things that come really out of your toy that you have, you drill a hole in those areas and use wire underneath and put wire sticks wherever you have it. For example, ears on the side, to, you use two, two pieces of wire that you put into the, into the vinyl and make sure that you glue it off so it doesn't move around and then you sculpt with the clay around it so the clay doesn't fall off of the surface but has something to hold on to. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, when you when you bake, you said you you wash the uh, the vinyl before you get started. Yeah. Are you giving it like just like a standard soap and water treatment, or are you giving it like an acetone bath? I've heard like a lot of different people go different treatments. What's what's your approach? I try not to use too harsh chemicals. I think acetone might fuck up the texture of the vinyl itself. <laughs> you know, and when you paint over it, or when you have you know your clear coat, it might not really. Uh, work with it properly you, you you never know so i i use uh, dishwashing soap you know the the stuff that you would use if if a bird was in an oil spill and then you clean that off because it gets stuff uh, it gets rid of the grease and everything but it doesn't seem to have too harsh of chemicals in it right so i guess we're talking about for you is when you're working with a, like a complete blank versus someone who might buy like a five inch dunny that's that has a paint application like you definitely need to remove that paint application because otherwise it will show Unless you completely sculpt over it, yeah, right? yeah. I have not considered using a painted a painted piece. Um, yes, if you have paint application over it, then acetone, hundred percent nail polish remover, what you can get in a normal store would work, of course. But again, you, I probably have to be very careful with this because it fucks up the vinyl underneath too. It, 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 if you have your fingers dipped in acetone for too long, your fingernails get so brittle. That, and and that, is, that is, you know, a hard substance. And imagine what it does to plastic that is so easily meltable. 
It's it's funny. I think one time I was using acetone. I just put on some like standard gloves you would buy at a hospital. Those little cheapy gloves that you buy at the Home Depot or something. It just it just eats up your glove. It's the, I'm I'm no chemist, but when I talk to Ryan Brotherford, he just cracks up at some of the things I've done. With and but it's true. Like when you're first starting out and then just you know getting into breaking into customizing, you're you're learning all this stuff on the fly. You're learning yeah. that certain spray paints don't apply very well to vinyl versus. <sighs> You can't do this or that. I think uh, you're talking about the etching, the uh, the vinyl with an exacto blade to give it a little bit of a rough texture. And yes. Some some other people will say, well, you can just go to the automotive store and uh, you know buy a really nice automotive primer that has an uh, an etching application to that. Is I guess it really all depends. I don't know that there's any proven really great way to do it. I know some people gesso over vinyl just because they think the paint's going to last longer over gesso versus not. And, you know, so many of us have just had this trial and error. So it's nice to hear kind of what you do. Oh, absolutely. And and, um, and, and I want anybody to avoid it if possible. How often have <laughs> I ruined in the first couple of years my artworks because I use Scobie, I didn't bake it all the way through. Now I have a very, very slow baking process to make sure it cures from the very center within. Because if you don't apply paint, it might work out with acrylics. But then when you apply the clear coat, that is the final step when you've done all of the work and the clear coat, even after weeks, will stay sticky. Yep. So it's, Oh, yeah, it's you're first out there in Florida, too, where it's humid, yeah, so it even works against you. Sometimes airbrushing is a shit show too because then all, all of the moisture in the end you have to psh, psh, psh. I'm like, no! <laughs> I've heard that humidity is horrible. We don't have a whole lot of it in Arizona, so I don't have to deal with it a lot, thank God. But So now based on that, now I have a question for you now. You're talking about the Sculpey not fully mm-hmm. curing and getting sticky. So one time I did do a custom uh, for an event and I did use Super Sculpey for the details. And yeah. I thought I was using a, an air gun and I would, you know, I thought things were fully cured and I send it off to the show and a guy buys it. And several months later, he emails me saying, Hey Gary, like where you sculpted things, it's still really sticky in these areas. So I had him send it back to me. And uh, what I did was I just figured I didn't fully cure it all the way through. So, and this is kind of funny. So in Phoenix, it can get to about 115 degrees in the summer on a bad day. So I just went in the backyard, opened up the lid of the grill, stuck the toy in there. And (laughs) yeah. And I just let it slow bake inside this, you know, non-cooking barbecue all day long. And I think it did the trick. And then I just slowly uh, did the clear coat and, and sent it back to him. And I haven't heard back from him. So I think it did the trick. But my question to you would be then, so I've always just followed the instructions of the box, you know, using an oven or sometimes you use like a heat gun. But how do you fully know when it's cured all the way through? How do you know this isn't going to happen again? Yeah, don't use a heat gun unless you have a really, really thin application um, of clay that is less than five millimeters, like less than one eighth of an inch. Other than that, use an oven. And you go basically with a very low degree. You start with 200 degrees for 20 minutes, then you go to 225 for 20 minutes, then you go to 245 for 20 minutes, then to 265, and at the end, you (laughs) make it another 20 minutes for 275. Like, when you go through this baking process, you have to be at home the whole time. Um, Yeah, this this is how I do it. This is how I did it with Sunny, too. I worked, actually, with Magic Sculpt as well. I used on the nails and the hands, just a magic scope because I had mm-hmm. to elongate them. I also used wire underneath to, to make that happen. The, the three claws, all of them have wire in them. But magic sculpt is in that matter really, really good because it 
I've never had any sticky issues with Magic Sculpt. It dries so work hard within 24 hours, and there's no moisture or nothing weird chemically trapped mm -hmm. in it where the clear coat doesn't work with it. But with Super Scobby, you sometimes have that issue, and I think it has to do with the curing process. Yeah, I love Magic Sculpt. Actually, you mentioned Valency earlier. So Valency Gina, she was the one I went out to Strategy Factory one year, and she uh, introduced me to Magic Sculpt. She sent me home with uh, some Magic Sculpt as a sample. And yeah, I used it a few times, and I actually really like If you can sculpt something within the 24-hour period and use it, that is the product to use because it, it dries like stone but sands easily. Yes. It's great. Yes. It sounds so well, but sadly you don't have 24 hours magic sculpt. You have maybe one to two hours if you're lucky. <laughs> if that, yes. Yeah, you have to work pretty is, fast. This is why I don't use it for very detailed work. I, I couldn't have used it on, on, on the suit or on the face because I'm a slow sculptor. I, I like to try everything uh, in, a, in a, as perfect way as possible, even though for us as humans, you're right, we can't achieve the symmetry that you can do in digital sculpting, but you try your best to do this, and I always go back and forth. It's being a perfectionist sometimes sucks because <laughs> because I'm terrible with deadlines. For me, it's always last minute in order to get this because because I don't want to rush my work. I don't want to mess up the integrity of my work that I have. So I'm I'm really if if you have a rush order, that's sometimes very hard for me to do. I like to make a schedule months ahead of time. So when you do something like a custom show, most people, most artists. They might get a six-month lead time, but they'll only work on the project in the last week. Are you the type of person that plans ahead and just kind of works at it slowly so you're not rushed in the end? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is what I did, did with Sunny. Um, started already a month before even the show started um, working on it. And I worked on the hammock here and there. And then I started working on the hat. And I worked on another couple of projects. And then like the time approached quicker and quicker. I'm like, okay, now you really need to knock Sunny out. But I like to start earlier of course. So the the guys the guys from the Martian Gallery they are doing I believe in October or in November I'm not sure but it's it's coming. Um, they are doing a show with Darrow from Jermaine Rogers, and Aaron has in the past asked me to take part in shows, but they were like only really a month or two months ahead of time. I'm like, dude, it's it's too. You need more notice than that. Yes, I need more notice. So. This time, and I really, I really love that when people pay pay attention to to the artist's needs. It's very considerate. He sent me out the Darrow, and I have it sitting here. It's sitting behind me, and I look at it every day. So I will probably start in September working on it latest. So they nice. sent it out really early to me, so I can get a feel for the figure and don't have to rush it. Right, exactly. I don't like rushing it. I usually turn down shows that only give me one or two month notice. I like it when I have like six months. I mean, I might not. Uh, do anything for the, you know, until the, like the last two weeks or you know the month before it. But when it's in my hands for six months, it's at least like you said, you're the thing that Darrow is behind you. It's mm -hmm. something that you're always looking at, and your brain's always kind of formulating creative ideas, and it kind of gives you enough time to really settle on one idea before going to execution stage. So yeah, yeah that leeway is really nice. But um, let's take a commercial break. So for all your designer toys, needs, wants, and desires, there's two great stores for you. 3DRetro.com. And 3D Retro also has a beautiful brick-and-mortar location out there in Burbank, adjacent California. So if you're in the area, be sure to check that out. And the other store is StrangeCatToys.com. Go to StrangeCatToys.com, fill up your cart, and use promo code SoTeresa at checkout, and you'll receive... 10% off your entire order. That's so Teresa, all one word, S-O-T-H-E-R-E-S-A. 
And for all your daily designer toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. So, Silly, I have a question for you. So, you're from Germany, and you lived there most yeah. of your life. So, I went there for two weeks. And one thing I noticed when I was there, and a lot of us already know this, but Germany has an amazing art culture from everything from, you know, street art to architecture. Mm-hmm. But for some reason in the designer toy scene, I have I don't really think of anyone other than yourself that comes from Germany. Like, Why do you think that is? Why do you think the designer toys isn't reaching Germany as much as you would probably think? Oh, um, I I don't know necessarily why that is, other than that toys come from the whole East, from Japan, China, um, and then the Western toys were in, invented, and and the scene was rising uh, in the USA through Tristan Eden and so on. You know, um, I don't really think in Germany toys had any heritage. What do you call it? Any any, any ancestry in, in that matter? So it evolved in the USA and it evolved in Japan, and nothing in Europe really. Okay, I, okay, I guess that makes sense. So when I was there, I did see a lot of like designer culture and like. So we would travel from city to city, from like Frankfurt to Berlin. And while I was there, I always wanted to go in comic book shops and little local stores just to find any sort of like artistic influence. And then so one thing that I know is when we go into like the department stores, I would see a very designer sort of presence like in their um, housewares. So from like ceramic plates to vases and piggy banks and stuff like that. I actually bought a piggy bank. I was actually looking at it earlier today. It's by a company called Ritzenhoff. It's a ceramic piggy bank and it gives credit to the art director and the, you know, who the artist who did the design for it and stuff like that. And it's very reminiscent of an artist that would do a design on a, a, a platform like a dunny or something. Yeah. So it just kind of made me realize that there's not that many German artists and designers working in designer toys. I mean, I can only really, you might be the only one that I can really think of offhand. And so it just seems like in designer toys, it really appeal to a lot of the designers out there from either doing just toy design or application or doing customs and stuff like that. Absolutely. I, re- I agree with you on this. But when, when you mention plates and uh, China, um, porcelain, all of that stuff has a big history in Germany as well as okay. um, in, in European countries. So there's a there's an, an old culture there. Toys are more a more thing of the of the newer times, I believe. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm telling you, there's one great German artist out there that isn't a toy community and who does sculpting work for Dolly Oblong, and that is Muffin Man Sculpts. He's actually in Germany and he is. He's oh, I didn't know he was in Germany. That's awesome. Yes, I, I, actually, I actually believe he's in Germany. He's definitely German. I speak German to him all the time. Okay. And his work is amazing. He is not a traditional sculptor, but his work is so symmetrical and so smooth and so flawless that it could have been easily 3D uh, digitally sculpted. Mm-hmm. You guys check him out. His name is Muffin Man Sculpts. You're going to love him. He's made these cute little birds. They're chubby. I saw and, them. They're awesome. Yeah. Oh, those micro versions. I love his work. You know what? It, it's funny that you mentioned Dolly Obling and Muffin Man Sculpts because if you and I were to do um, Leaks and Sneak Peaks today, that was something I was going to mention. Like this week on their Instagram accounts, I saw that they had leaked uh, kind of like a sneak peek for like a large bald one. So yeah. anyone who's not familiar, there's this artist. Her name is Dolly Oblong, and she has a very popular character she does called Baldwin. And it's usually a, like a three-inch 
um, resin figure that she usually hand paints, but Muffin Man Sculpt showed on his Instagram feed this week that he had sculpted a like a double sized version, a very large sized version of Baldwin uh-huh. for Dolly, and they sent it off to like Japan or something like that. So uh, that's really exciting news because it yeah. seems like maybe now we're going to get like a mass produced version of Dolly's work. So what do you think, Celia, with it going to Japan and stuff? Do you think we're going to see a you know a mass produced vinyl version of Baldwin? I'm I'm pretty sure she's gonna make it in vinyl because um I I saw the post of her too and then I saw a comment of Muffin Man sculpt. She's like, are we supposed to get excited yet? And I'm like, you should know. You're the one you know making these pieces for her. <laughs> and he said it's out of my hands now. So she definitely has them produced somewhere else. It's definitely not a resin piece because he could have casted them easily for her. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if these things are gonna be mass produced and painted by a factory or if she's just planning on making blanks. I'm not sure what direction she plans on going. Oh, I have no idea either. It, it might be a mix of two. Maybe she's she's going to have a, um, a little show going and has other artists painting them for her. It's definitely, ex- it, no, it's definitely exciting, though. Oh, absolutely. I, I love her work so much. And she and her mom were so sweet. I met them at Decon as well. Oh, but yeah. I, I, I think in the last podcast, I have mentioned that one of my big dreams is to hug Frank Kozik and, you know, to, to just cuddle the big grumpy bear. <laughs> that wish was completely granted to me during Decon. The the, the Tolleson and Broke Piggy booth, it was just almost opposite of the Kid Velvet booth. Mm-hmm. And I saw him there. It was like early Saturday morning when there wasn't not too many people yet. And I saw him and I, I ran towards him and I hit like, you know. <laughs> I've been trying to meet you basically since 2009. <laughs> I'm totally fangirling over the man. And he's tall and he's so cuddly and he was so sweet. He was the sweetest thing. Hey, uh, we're, we're describing Frank Kozik here? Oh yeah, I was I was describing Frank Kozik. Frank Kozik is not necessarily a bubbly person and he looks on the outside really like he's not approachable, but I'm, actually, I'm, I'm just like, fuck it. You go over there, you be your bubbly stupid self and fangirl over the man, and and I asked him if I can have a hug. He's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> At some point, I called him daddy, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, just, I just walked by. He, he was, like, busy, busy in his booth. I walked by and was like, daddy, and I left. <laughs> I, just, I just zoomed out of there. I, I know. You but, are hilarious at designer cause Anyone who doesn't – I mean, I don't know if we talked about this on show. We haven't talked to you since since August, but – you, I mean, trying to walk designer con with you. Well, we tried it for a couple oh minutes God, and no, it's no. impossible. You're being stopped. I thought walking around with Teresa was hard enough, but then we, Teresa and I walked around with you and every five minutes you're stopping and talking and hugging. And so you're a big hugger. I want to know, like you already mentioned, Lisa is a great hugger. Yes. And, and and a great artist too. Lucifer is an amazing artist. No, I'm curious, silly. No one's ever said that Gary, you're a great hugger. So I'm curious, like, how do I get that title of world's best hugger? Like, what are the components that makes a great hugger? Um, I, I, honestly, the physique has to do with it too. I like people who are cuddly, who have a little bit of meat on their bones. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, Frank Frank was one of those guys. I'm like, oh my God, I got so much to hug. And he was so warm and he had one of his flannel shirts on. And yes, <laughs> but a, a good a good hugger is somebody who, who embraces the hug, who hugs you back and is not just a stiff stick, 
um, <laughs> who might even go either up on your level or down on your level. I very often during decon had to bend a little bit down, which I totally not not mind. But you can you can feel if somebody enjoys a good hug too, or if you're invading their personal space. So I usually always like, hey, give me a hug, or can I have a hug? Because I do you like it when someone hugs you and like picks you off the ground? Yes, if it's done right and if it doesn't necessarily hurt my bones or just <laughs> de-align my spine, I totally would love that. Free chiropractic. I I I want to put put in two little marks. They probably never fucking listen because they are so busy and in their own little world. But I want to say congratulations to Amanda Louis Spade and Chris Rani. You're going to finally get married last Saturday. I know. Now, how awesome is that? They finally did. It's about time. Oh, dude, I always thought they were married because because <laughs> they, their work is just so... I mean, their work basically is married. Everything they do is so cohesive with each other and just works so well together. They both have that, that unity of a style, but... And they're both fucking workaholics and they're doing so well. There's there's not a platform that they don't do, not a type of art that they can't do. That's just they're literally the power couple to look up to when it comes to, to artistry and how to run a business. They are fucking amazing. I know. There's just there's just some couples out there that are just you look at them and they're just meant to be. And that's what Chris and Amanda Louise Spade are. Yeah. So we're talking about Chris Reinick and Amanda Louise Spade. They they tied the knot last weekend. So congratulations to you guys. You know what, silly? Something I've always wanted to be doing, I've always wanted to try on the show, is that there's like an artist that we're like talking about, we're talking about that toy, is that we would just like cold call them on the spot and get like live answers from them. Should, should we try calling Chris and seeing if he'll answer and we can congratulate him over the air? Oh, I would love that. Let me see. Yes. I don't have his number. I have his number. and uh, Are you calling him? I'm having a tough time finding I got a new phone. And I'm trying to find the phone book in this thing. Yeah, I don't have his number, so all I can do is direct message him. <laughs> yeah, so I switched from a, from an Android phone to an iPhone. and Finally! I'm, I'm not... A, yeah. <laughs> I'm not... Where is the phone book on an iPhone? Okay, you you have um, the green button. The green oh, there phone we go. Button. Yeah, I, I found it. God, There's was... also the address book in there and the green button. All right, let's try this. So I'm going to try calling him. Put him on speaker. Oh, I can hear the ringing, so that works. Come on, pick up, Chris. Like, who the fuck's calling me? What the scary one for this, me? This is the problem with today's technology. They know who's calling. Yes. Like, I'm not going to answer okay, for Gary. Can... You can put your block your phone caller ID, but nobody picks up with an unknown number nowadays. Oh, he didn't answer. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's because it was a FaceTime and he didn't want to FaceTime. I think that's the mistake <laughs> I made. Let's try a regular call. Nobody wants to surprise FaceTime. We all have a terrible face at sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try one more time using the keypad. <laughs> one four four zero. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> Everybody's gonna harass Chris and he has to change his phone number. <laughs> oh, that would be a great prank. Fucked up the life. He would love that. Mm. Oh, it's ringing. And that sounds like normal phone ringing. The other one was Stephanie FaceTime. You know, unfortunately, he's not gonna hear you. This is That's a terrible okay. idea. No. No answer. 
Okay. Oh, I'm bummed that didn't work. Another couple. Congratulations. We have we have another couple. They have not not gotten married this year or anything, but they have been ten years married, and that is Colos and his wife Kim Pemsico, which I also met at Decon, and I fucking love Colos's work. He's oh, having yeah. actually. Great guy. Hmm? He's a great guy. Oh, he is super sweet, super nice. Uh, his wife too. We drank moonshine together at Decon. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. They moonshine, they made their own. It was just like a little bit, but I was hanging out there at their place for a while. Hold on. Hey, Gary, did you, did you just butt dial me? No! I'm I'm on <laughs> I'm on the call. I'm actually recording right now with Silly. Seriously, Silly K. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, we thought, see, we were just talking about how awesome it is that you and Amanda got, uh, got married, and so we thought we would just kind of call you a spur of the moment and wish you guys congratulations. Oh, oh look at that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, we finally did it. You're welcome. You know, We're I'm, so happy for you guys. She's <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm wearing headphones, so you can't hear what she's saying, but she's extremely happy for you guys. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. Tell her she is the, she is the sweetest person in the toy scene besides me and, and me. Amanda. <laughs> and you, and I Teresa, take it. I take the third place. It's a long list. <laughs> so many nice people. All right. Well, I don't want to take up your evening. I know it's late on the East Coast, but we wanted to call you and wish you all the best and hope you guys have a... You're not taking your honeymoon yet, right? No, no, no. We're taking it later in the year. Okay. We got work to do. Okay. We'll get to work. Told you. <laughs> all right. Gary. Thank all right. you, silly. He's, he says right. hello. Bye. All right. Have a night. Bye. Mwah. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Kind of worked out. Now I just need to figure out the uh, the headphone scenario. Oh, that's that's fine. I'm I'm just glad that I got to hear him. He seems generally happy too. That you did you just butt dial me? Like no, that was purposefully done. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's great. I love I love uh, creative couples in the in the designer toy scene. Or just just you know I don't know what that's like to be in a in a relationship with someone who's also creative. I've always dated someone who's outside the field. So it's interesting when I when I see it working out and working out so well where people can yeah. collaborate and kind of pick up where someone left off, like the bots and Tato and Chris and Amanda. And there's so many creative couples in the Angela yes. community. Cotton Christian and Sass Christian, like yep. those those people thrive on each other and on each other's creativity. They exactly understand their schedules. They they know how to probably work alongside each other. I wouldn't wonder if Chris and Amanda have a studio together, so they kind of probably spend time together. Um, it's. No, I don't actually know. See, that is, that, that's one of those things. I wonder how, how to steer. I would love to get you both on an episode together. Um, me too. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Let's make that happen. We'll schedule it for next month. Yes. Yes, but next month. Next month. Why not? We're going to have you on every month now. A year between every, uh, you know, us talking is is too long. Are you sure? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind coming a little bit more often. Probably not like two, three hours every time. But I would. I wouldn't mind to just swing swing by once yeah, in a while. That's what I'm saying. We can just have. We can just call you the last fifteen minutes of a record or something like that. Just kind of yeah. touch base. And and let me sum up what you guys talked about. <laughs> we could play a live game of what's in your mouth. Oh please! And <laughs> um, you guys probably could could even see me then, right? Maybe the problem is is you would have to text us, I guess, or you'd have to use the chat window. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would work. Or or again, that 
I don't know. If, if we're four people, I don't think that any, any cameras are visible, right? Or only two people can have cameras open. So you you would just have to see me, and then you could basically see. Yeah, that's all we need is you. Yeah, we could see you if you have a camera. I don't have a camera on my end, but if you have one, I'd be able to no, see I you. I do. I do have one. Okay. Um, wait, there were, there were a couple other things that are, yes, I kind of wanted to talk with you about your brother, um, Uh-oh. about Greg Ham, okay. about your twin brother. Greg Ham, Greg Ham, yep. What about Greg him? Greg Ham, it's, he's, he's a twin, right? Because he looks exactly like you, and in some ways. We're identical twins, one minute apart from each other. He's, he's the younger one, correct? Yes, I'm the older brother. <laughs> I love that there's only a minute between us, but I always had that over him. Oh, of course, and, and I know it's probably going to bother him. The thing is, uh, Greg Ham, he must have listened to the podcast that we guys did together last year, and then he messaged me, was like, I followed you because of the fucking podcast, and I didn't even know um, that, you know, your brother was on Instagram and fucking an artist, too. Oh, okay. And he's talented. I followed him as well, and then last year was this Inktober or uh, October where you put uh, Halloween themed art out every day and he started doing these ice cream popsicles Mm -hmm. and I love them so much there were a couple that I really have to mention like that UFO alien was magnificent where where there's like a cute little alien that looks almost like a clown beaming up up a cow from the from the UFO through the through the wood handle oh yeah I remember that one yeah and the zombie with the Boston Terrier head. <laughs> I I don't know how you could make them into toys because they can't stand by themselves because they are popsicles. But I love them so much, and I wish he would he would do more of the stuff. It's yes. I, could, I could totally make those out of wood for him if I was a good brother. See, and that is that is another thing because popsicles already have the wood stick. I think you would do an amazing collaboration together, you guys. They would oh, just yeah. have. To keep- I could- consideration of having a stand or something for it or lean the popsicles against something because they would really look best if they are bright i could just make the stick wide enough that it acts as a really you know decent you know stand for it uh, or you know i don't like things with bases but if i had to i could always create a base for the stick but yeah if i was a good brother not saying that i am i could (laughs) i I could make that happen for him No, No, I'm actually going out to see Greg next week. So next Wednesday, there won't be an episode because I'll be visiting him out there in uh, like Lake Stevens area, Everett, Washington. So go check out. (laughs) Have you guys ever had like a crazy twin experience? If if, if that is a word where where you both were not physically at a location, but you sent something together or you had the same thought and you were calling each other up because twins really fascinate a lot of people and me too. I, I just want to know if you have some kind of bond. I wish I could say that we did. When I was in high school, I did a paper on identical twins and the bonds that you're talking about. Some twins develop their own language. Some twins uh-huh. say that they can sense when the other one's sick and stuff like that. But no, Greg and I are just actually pretty normal people. I uh, I can't feel when he burns his finger. I can't tell when he's <laughs> I can't tell when he's sad. I can't read his minds. No, I got no advantage over him that way. Oh, but it's, it's not necessarily an advantage. I would call it. Um... <laughs> but has has he ever mentioned something like this towards you? No, not no, not that he knows of. It's a tricky thing being a twin because you he would go to like the San Diego Comic Con and stuff like that, and people would you know they, they don't know that I'm a twin, but they would mistake me all the oh. time, and he would just blow people off. Like yeah, they're, they're because just, he's 
he's not Gary Hem. He he probably stands a little bit in your shadow. I can't, it can't be easier for him. Yeah, but when you're a twin, you're you're kind of aware of that. You I I pick up on when someone's looking at me weird, and I know that they recognize me. But so it's one of those things like he has to know that that's going to happen. And so I've heard yeah. one lady approach me and she said she almost wanted to punch me because <gasps> I was, I, I guess he was like, she was talking to him and he was like, I don't know you really. I don't know who you are. Oh and God. she was, she was getting furious in the inside and she's like, yeah, I almost, I almost punched so you. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So there's just little instances like that. You know, I, there was a case uh, back in elementary school or middle school. Greg had a, I don't know. This, there was this kid at school who was kind of a bully to him. Oh. And uh, I remember he approached Greg on the baseball field or we were playing kickball or something. And Greg was on first base and this kid came up to Greg. And I don't know how Greg did it, but Greg just flipped him over on his back. And I'm thinking, oh, that's great. Because now if that kid sees me on my walk home, yes, he's, he's going to beat he, He's going to fuck me up. Like, <laughs> don't do that. Oh, you, shit. <laughs> you, you gotta, oh, you... <laughs> He's fucking you up instead of him just leaving you alone because he thought you were badass. That's what I mean. Is like you can really, I, I could put Greg in jail if I wanted to. You know, like I could, oh. I could do an act of crime and frame him for it if I wanted to. That's that's the thing with twins. You just got to be uh, real uh, careful with stuff like that. Dear FBI, mark the date June twentieth, eleven twenty-five. Gary Ham just implicated himself about probably a future murder. It's the Minority Report all over again. That would make a great movie. Yes, right. No. <laughs> Twins implicating each other. So, silly. I want to know if you could see the future. Oh shit. Would you want to? Um, let's say like this, if I could see the future and I could influence it for the better or the worse, I would probably take my chances. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a very curious person. Um, if I would see the future and I couldn't do anything about it, I would have just to live mm -hmm. with, with what I know might happen to me or to the world. I would probably still want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, w I would definitely take the red pill and not the blue pill. I think I would like to know, too. Mm, too curious, right? You're you're into astrology, right? Yes, a little bit, weirdly. I, I never was. Oh, sorry. Astronomy is, is about the stars and the universe, and astrology is a little bit about horoscopes. Yes, I actually am. I never was. I never believed in it. But the older I got, the weirder coincidences get about people's personalities. It's weird. Okay, because my mom was into it too. I think when she when she and my dad divorced, I, I remember seeing her reading like astrology books and into the signs, and it would kind of help her decide what guys to date and stuff like that. So, yes. are you into it enough to where like that knowledge of that stuff would affect a relationship with someone, or how you go into business with someone, or you know, versus not? Um, based based on what I would know now, I'm definitely a little bit more doing doing my homework, but nine ten years ago or even five years ago i didn't believe in it um but it makes me understand people a little bit better and knowing what their sign might be or also based on how i have experienced the people and then see does it fit does it not fit yes because okay. mm -hmm. i remember last record i posed a question to you if you had to drive from florida to designer con it's a two-day yeah. two-day car drive yeah. And we all thought that you would, you would choose Scott Tolleson, but you picked yeah. Jay Rue. And mm -hmm. you said it's because Scott was a Gemini. So I was wondering, like, I'm an Aquarius and you're a Gemini. Like, how do we gel? 
Uh, very well, actually. My mom is an Aquarius too, and so is my stepdad, and I love my mom to death. Okay. So Aquarius goes goes definitely very well. And I actually found out, which which I didn't know. I mean, I, I always knew that I'm that I'm a Gemini Cancer cusp. That is a new word that I learned, cusp, in English. Um, but I, I didn't know that the exact date that I'm born on is is actually also a magical one. Like, I'm, I'm literally called a magic cusp. Wow. You know what? It's all starting to make sense now. God, it fits me so well. And, and, and I know that people... A lot of people are not able to relate to this, but if you guys get older, you know what kind of personality you have. You know, you know the personality of other people. Look into it. Make sure that you really figure out the right sign, and it, it applies to you. And I know a lot of people say everything, all of the astrology signs apply to everybody, but no, I cannot identify with a Scorpio, for example, whatsoever. Right. Not, like it really, it really does fit people. There are certain energies when you are born that you are being born with. Huh. A lot of this has to do, of course, with the way you are raised. My mom raised raised me to be kind and um, she raised me with a lot of love. There was, they were not always there for us in, in the way that some American families are. It's some some things are a big culture shock for me because so many people drive their children to school in their cars. I'm like, this is never a luxury that I got. And children don't don't appreciate it. They think it's normal that their parents make the time every morning to drive them to school or to drive them to soccer practice or to pick them up from their piano classes. No, kids, you have a fucking luxury. <laughs> I was I was walking to school or taking the school bus ever since I was a little child. I even walked myself to fucking kindergarten at points. Wow. I would kind of remember that too when I was six. We, yes. We would walk almost a mile to school just by ourselves. Yes. Walk half an hour with your heavy ass backpack because lockers <laughs> were not normal back then. I don't know how it's for you, but you always had seven, eight books in your bag and you were walking for half an hour. And yeah. no children, you are fucking lucky that your parents take that effort out of their day and they are working people too. To drive you, it's now talking about culture shock. When I went to Germany, yeah. one thing that I noticed where the United States is very prude. Like I didn't, know, I didn't realize how prude we were until I went to Germany. And I <laughs> said, you know, there's like naked people in commercials and billboards oh, yeah. and and Playboys. Just like in the, it's in the, it's in the window of stores yeah. there. It's just, just it's no big deal there. And then, so was that a culture shock to you when you came to the states and how kind of reserved we are with that sort of stuff? Oh, no, that is, that is something I already knew, um, that the USA is, is like the biggest producer of porn, but, <laughs> but on but, the outside, everything is very, is very, um, yeah, prude. Right, right. You know what's kind of funny? I'm going to segue this into actually a, a Kickstarter campaign that George shared with me, and it's called uh, Nudies. And it's kind of what we're talking about, where things are kind of suppressed and being you know, prudish. So the mm-hmm. campaign is kind of based around the idea of, all these toys like Barbies and stuff, they all had private parts, but they don't actually have private parts when releasing into the, the real world. So they're saying that the factory like removed the, the private parts and they put them like underground the factory and kept them hidden in the dark. And uh, what the campaign's about is basically these two neglected body parts, the you know vagina and penis, and they were just kind of doomed to hide forever in the basement. They just felt neglected and ashamed and misunderstood. And mm-hmm. so uh, the, these two brave genitals, Ristadol and um, 
wanted to live their dreams and realize their dreams of becoming actual toys like all the other toys like they were meant to be. So it's a really good campaign, clever campaign, and really well done. Can you send me the link? Yeah, I'm going to try to find I'm searching. Here okay. we go. Uh, I'm going to send you the link. Where do you want it? Can I put it over the... Put it put it in the chat window. Okay. I'm going to throw it in the chat window. Here we go. I love that George is updating you on toys because he has admitted himself <laughs> that he has not been um, up to... Oh my god! <laughs> I thought at first that is a butt cheek, but that is a little it is not with, a, with a tiny little bit of a hood <laughs> visible. And it, oh no, the penis looks like a little nose, and it's not circumcised. Oh no, but I but I but I love it because it looks like a little trunk. These are kind of cute. They are. You know, I like them. Yeah, it's by Edith and Enrique Diaz. Yep. And um, I so guess nice. they are. I I guess for the listeners, right? If you're not, I really I, I highly suggest you watch the the videos. Great animation and the message behind them are fantastic. So search nudies on Kickstarter. N e u d i e s. And uh, right now, as we're recording, there's four days remaining. But by the time this airs, it's already gonna have ended. But actually, it's it's it looks like it's gonna fund. It's really really close. So I'm pretty sure it's gonna fund. I'm actually thinking about backing because I, I think they're really, uh, I think it's a really cute. It's kind of a cute set. I actually kind of like it. Oh no, it absolutely is. It's basically love love at first sight when I see them because that is that is again, it's not sexualized. It just depicts. Uh, the normal male and female productive uh, reproductive organs, but in a but in a very simplified, harmless way. No, I love this. Yeah, they're great. I I think I might bag it. So you know, speaking of this campaign, how it's it's running almost to its end, we're getting close too. So, um, gosh, there's so much I want to talk to you about, but we're getting down to the nitty gritty on the old clock here. Okay, can I can can I ask a couple more questions yeah. out there to the community and other artists that that are listening because there there are some some things that also are important to me. I have spoken a couple months ago in direct mes- messages with an artist called Squink. Hello, Squink. I don't know if you listen, but he's an amazing artist, guys. If you don't know him, he does wonderful paint jobs and also subtle sculpts on dummies. And it looks so good that it could be production. The paint jobs are just so clean, so smooth. You would never be able to tell that there are brush strokes on it. So his name is Quink, S-Q-U-I-N-K. Yep. And um, we were talking about posture, how it is on our bones, on our backs, on our necks, when we do this work all day. And now I was just wondering, how do you artists, especially those who, who do this full time, how do you keep your posture what is the best pose for sculptors? Not necessarily on the big scale, but on the small scale where you have to stuff close to your eyes. My elbows hurt all the time. I notice that I start slouching. I get neck pains all the time because I have my elbows elevated. How do you deal with this? What is the best thing for you? Do you have high tables? Do you stand while sculpting? Yeah, I, I wonder all of those things. Does your height have an influence? I want to know those ones of you who again do this full time or who spend five six hours a day at least doing these things that's just sitting on on your ass what do you do to have a healthy body gosh i don't know the answer i mean you're you're young so you're only in your 30s and it's only gonna get worse as we all get older so that's it's, it's, the problem it's, I, I want to be proactive against it and don't don't come to me with working out i'm aware that this is one of those things i was just wondering if if you have tips and tricks other than putting gel pads under your elbows or under your wrists, what can you do to keep a good posture and to not go every day to bed with neck or shoulder pain or with back pain? Right. Yeah. 
Let me know, guys. Yeah, let her know in the comments on Instagram feed, or we'll post it on the stomping ground. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a really good point, Silly, because it's good for us to all get in like healthy habits and routines. And if we don't change our ways, we're gonna end up hunchbacks in our in our older age and in pain. So this is good. I know. Uh, us artists, we can get real fixated on small details and hunch over all day doing something. So yes. yeah, this is good. I mean, I know I I curl up into a ball when I paint, and yeah. Uh huh. Twink does that too. He has a weird position where he crosses his legs, and he's in like <laughs> in a weird pose. He was describing that to me during a direct messages. I'm like, that is crazy, and he knows that it's terrible for his back, but it seems to be for him the most steady, most focused position, and. Yeah, do do any of the other guys deal with it? If so, what do you do to counteract yeah. your your bad posture? You know, I yeah. do, I do this thing when I paint too. Probably like Chris, I uh, I hunch over because I'm looking down, and then I cross my legs, but they're not just crossed once over the thigh. It's like I cross, and then my foot wraps around my my um my shin and then like wraps around it's weird my legs are so skinny they kind of look like uh like two noodles like just intertwined but um <laughs> so yeah no this is a good topic i think it's important for us to you know get healthier about our habits so yeah thanks yeah thank you you know and if, again if you guys listen please let us know some of your tips and tricks let us know and, okay yes yeah. oh and also community out there you know i love audiobooks i love to either listen to podcasts when i'm working or i listen to audiobooks recommend me some awesome audiobooks that you like i'm a big fantasy person like the last ones that i listened to were all of the harry potter books as well as the hunger games let me know any good recommendations and eventually also sites where i don't and i'm sorry i'm a cheap ass where i don't have to pay for them (laughs) (laughs) only legal i don't download anything from the internet if you know anything that is streaming audiobooks Please let me know. Thank you so much. That's that's why I you know go podcast. I just go to iTunes and just load up my feed for the day and just you know listen to stuff for free all day. But I also do pod um, audiobooks and I just go to the local library and rent out a bunch of um, audiobooks that way. And you can but, take them with you. Yeah, you can take them with you. You know, you can rent them up to three weeks. Oh, that's fucking awesome! See, I have not <laughs> considered to a library. Oh yeah, don't forget about the libraries. They're no joke. They're uh, take advantage of them. I still go physically every once in a while and, and actually rent the audiobooks. But I know my wife has an app called um, uh, Libby app, so she uses that and actually connects her to the local libraries, and so she'll use that to and she'll she can stream movies and download eBooks and audiobooks. And um, she also told me that if you have um, an app called Audible, which is uh, an audiobook app, mm-hmm. if you're an Amazon Prime member, they have a bunch of audiobooks that you can stream from that app. Um, app for free as well thank you so much gary see why i'm asking you with the community when i have you um i don't know honestly uh maybe they'll have some good suggestions we'll wait and see but silly i just look at the clock and i'm sorry we're up against it we got to start wrapping it up so uh thanks again for so much for coming on i love talking to you i I absolutely adore you and love you and uh, i would love to get you on more often if, if you're available I, I would love that. Yeah, once a year just isn't enough. I need more of you. And please finish the pizza mystery. Yes, I know. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it. The ending might be so boring, but I'm, I'm going to over-exaggerate it and people are going to die. Because <laughs> well, what, what is a mystery or a murder mystery without, without a murder, without a death? I don't know, but I look forward to it. So why don't you take a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you? Guys, I only have one social media. I don't like to be all over the place with my stuff. So you can find me on Instagram, instagram.com and then slash seriously silly K all together. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interactive with my audience. 
as Gary said, I post a lot of stories that are not necessarily art-related because I like to keep my page a little bit more art-orientated yeah. or oriented. Um, but yeah, just don't miss out on the stories. Just, you will see my face much, much more often on there or stuff that I do or you can learn about growing plants. <laughs> and I don't talk about weed. I'm talking about actual legal plants <laughs> unless, you live, unless you live in Colorado or in California. Right. Um, yeah, but that's where you can find me. Yeah, and you're very engaging with your you know, your, your fan base and everything, so I think that's awesome. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a fan myself, yeah. and our community is so, so small, and it's really a wonderful community, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be part of it, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's, I love this community. So Me too. All right, so I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week. Not because we have to, but because we want to. <laughs> so until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye. We missed you, Gary and Teresa. <laughs> Mwah. 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 <laughs> Three, two. Toys. All I really want is toys. And in the morning, it's toys. Cause in the evening, it's toys. I like the way that they look. So much goodness in my nook. I love the way that they smell. From Roto Fuji to Lulu Bell. Hell, hell, Back in the day, there was San Diego Comic Con. Now there's Five Points MD Con. Blind boxes are fun to play. I pulled a duplicate, much to my dismay. I wanted the other colorway. She asked to trade, I said okay. Then hit the road with no delay. Kid Robot Unbox Mighty Jacks are producing to the max. The Toy Chronicle and Spanky Stokes posting stuff to make me broke. My paycheck goes to my plastic heart. Toy purchases are off the charts. I can't spend another dime. But my displays be looking fine. All these toys are mine, mine, mine. Toys in the kitchen. Toys in the bedroom, toys in the laundry, and in the bathroom. Toys, that's all I really want is toys. The grotesque and super cute. Take them out and play with them. I auto whip out my toys. Toys, 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 toys. Ha ha ha.